0: It's time.
1: We are not called to be nice.
0: Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy.
1: Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like
1: about... me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it.
3: Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor,
0: Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We
1: have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
0: It's
4: time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have.
1: Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game.
3: This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host.
1: Some things are worth fighting for. you what that is. That was Southwest Airlines and workers uh, doing their protest yesterday uh, outside of the uh, headquarters. So there were hundreds of them. And of course, they were peaceful. They were asking, uh, they had held signs like, please join our Southwest cohorts, vaccinated or not, in exercising your First Amendment right to a peaceful protest of the recent COVID vaccination mandate. No jabs for jobs. And that's part of what they held up. So uh as you know that southwest the uh, Southwest the corporation has uh asked the um oh the the courts to to reinstate to hold withhold uh, to uphold their decision to force uh, mandates and vaccinations on employees. so I don't know what they i haven't heard anything about what the court is saying uh, at this point, but that's what's happening. in fact, there are companies all over unions all over the country that are striking right now, and it's a kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are striking over COVID. I'd say most of them are. Some of them are taking advantage of the uh, the supply chain breakdown to ask for more money. So it's a little hard. Sometimes you have to watch these stories uh, to understand exactly what's behind them. There was a hospital in Minnesota that shut down their emergency room and their urgent care uh, because so many nurses walked off. And I thought it was because of COVID, but no, they were asking for it. <laughs> They wanted to raise in pay. And they're taking advantage of this situation. Some of the unions are. So... It's a, it's a mixed bag. But I think most, in most of these, people are fighting back. Like in Chicago, more than 3,000 Chicago officers are defying the city's vaccine mandate. And that's amazing because they're being threatened by withholding their pensions. Uh, they're told they won't be able to receive pay at all. Uh, Mike Tobin reported Mike, by the way, is a good longtime friend of mine with Fox. Uh, he gave a great report from Chicago yesterday. Let's listen.
5: Well, it's going down pretty ugly out here, Bill. The city of Chicago has now filed an injunction against its fraternal order of police and the president, John Catanzara. Catanzara has been encouraging the rank and file police to refuse a mandate for an online medical portal through which city employees need to report their vaccination status. While many cops are refusing the vaccine, it's the portal that brought everything to a head. It created a deadline employees are supposed to submit before the weekend. And it raised concerns about forcing cops and other city employees to report their medical information. Cantanzara encouraged officers to refuse a portal vaccinated or not. And the mayor went for a personal attack.
6: John Cantanzara says a lot of things a lot of it offensive and racist and foolish,
1: um, but we'll see what happens. We'll be prepared uh, for any eventuality. But again, our message is to the members, protect yourself.
3: She can call me racist all she wants, but I am defending the rights of my members black, white, brown, Asian, you name it. It's everybody. I'm not just defending the white officers. But again, she's so ignorant with this.
5: Mayor Lightfoot said yesterday it will take a few days, not weeks, to determine who is compliant with the mandate and who will be forced into non-disciplinary, no pay status. So the crisis of a weekend cop shortage is temporarily averted. Now, Catanzara has also threatened legal action. Mayor Lightfoot's response to that was bring it. Mayor Lightfoot has called this an unlawful strike. Zara said it is not a strike because officers are being told to report for duty until they are sent home. Okay, Mike, thanks. Mike Tobin.
1: All right, so that's Mike Tobin, and that's Chicago. Uh, it's a little bit confusing. I actually tried to get the union president on, president on with us this morning, and we'll maybe do that tomorrow. But more than 3,000, let me go back to this, Chicago officers have defied the city's vaccine reporting mandate. They're asking him to go on a portal and, and answer all of these questions, and that's part of the objection of the union. They're saying, you don't have a right to know that. We don't have an obligation to go in and report our medical status on anything. And so uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, of course, Chicago is not the only place in Seattle. Uh, the policemen, there's some interesting pictures yesterday of Seattle policemen unfurling don't tread on me flags in their patrol cars. Remember, that was uh, Southwest pilots were doing the same thing outside their windows on their planes. There were lots of pictures of that. Don't tread on me, which is, of course, a, um, uh, American Revolution slogan That was used by our founding fathers when they were fighting the draconian rule of King George. So uh, that's what's happening in Seattle. And then uh, there is also a story uh, out of San Francisco. Let's see. This is, uh, I believe this is San Francisco. Yep. Clip one. Let's listen.
2: October is a busy month and the Giants and Dodgers will play here at game five at Oracle Park tomorrow and there will be officers patrolling inside and outside of this area. Now with fewer officers on the job, the Police Officers Association says there may be some calls that will be left unanswered.
1: In a city of this size with the month of October and all the things that have been going on, that's that's gonna put quite a dent into operations.
2: According to San Francisco's Police Officers Association, 120 sworn officers, 80 of them that work in the patrol division, will be off the job tomorrow after failing to comply with the city's vaccine mandate. But if you take 120 cops or even more off the street, what do you think is going to happen? That is roughly 6% of the entire department and SFPOA Vice President Tracy McCrae says it will force officers working the streets to make some tough decisions.
1: If I have a uh, crime happening in the Bayview 5 car where Alice Griffin public public housing is located high crime area or do I have to go to a woman screaming all the way across in the Betrayal Hill area you know which one am I going to
2: McCray cites religious beliefs and concerns about the long term effects of the COVID vaccine as the reasons why some officers refuse to get the shot. The POA would like the city to implement a weekly testing option so officers can keep their jobs. But Mayor London Breed is not budging on the mandate. All right, that's our enough.
1: Human you get department. the idea. They're, they're in San Francisco and are budging. In some places, they're not even giving religious exemptions. And that's, that's a huge problem. And that reminds me, uh, this was Harry Myatt. Harry is with Liberty Council. He's been our guest before. He was asked about the religious exemptions. He and Liberty Council are representing many people that are, um, you know, it's pilots and other people. I'll, I'll let you listen to that in a minute. But Harry was asked about the religious exemption and what that means exactly. Because uh, the Dallas Morning News, for instance, was saying this is, this. is most of these people don't have a religious you know, objection to this. This is just, this is not biblical to object to this, uh, this vaccine mandate. So let's hear what Harry, how Harry responds to that from Liberty council. Let's listen to clip nine.
7: I think it's indisputable fact that all three of the available vaccines in the United States have their genesis in abortion because they were either researched, tested or developed using fetal cell lines that originated in abortion, A large number of Americans are pro-life and are opposed not only to abortion, but to benefiting from the products of abortion. And I think the Bible is very, very clear that abortion is a sin, that human life begins at conception, Mm -hmm. and that we're not to have anything to do with products that have their basis, their origin, their genesis in abortion. Yeah, It may be fine for some people, but others object to it, and the law protects the right of Americans to live out their faiths and not to be injected with substances that they find morally abhorrent.
1: Yes. Okay. So that Harry Mayette of uh, Liberty council, but that's not the end of it. Liberty council is bringing suit. I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, I think they're representing, uh, I'm assuming based on the information that they're uh, representing a lot of uh, military personnel, Navy SEALs out of Florida and other people who are uh, fighting back on this because they're being forced healthy people. Being forced to take the risk of these vaccinations, especially healthy men. And of course, that goes without saying, there are also tremendous concerns about fertility and uh, childbirth, lots of stories about uh, adverse effects on uh, babies. Uh, That doesn't mean everyone, but enough that people are concerned. And if you're of childbearing age, you might not want to take that risk. If you weigh the risk of uh, getting COVID and dying from COVID when you're young, as opposed to the risk of the vaccine, some people are saying, I will take. The risk of you know not of getting COVID, I won't. I don't want to have a vaccine and risk not being able to bear children or losing my child or having trouble with fertility. So it affects men and women alike. But uh, Harry was asked uh, last night about uh, the, the lawsuit that they're bringing from Liberty Council. and uh, I want to start this clip with this is reminding you of President Joe Biden and his compassion uh, toward Americans who are concerned about getting the vaccination, and Harry's response to that clip eight
3: you have been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please, do the right thing. But just don't take it from me. Listen to the voices of unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final
7: breath, saying, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. The uh, science tells us that the unvaccinated uh, have uh, just about the same amount of viral load as the vaccinated folks, and that the COVID-19 can be spread just as easily by those who are vaccinated than by those who are not vaccinated. So uh, President Biden's patience may be wearing thin, but the, the patience of the American he oppresses with these unconstitutional and unlawful mandates has worn thin a long, long time ago.
1: Yes, okay. So, uh, you, you know, uh, just can we say Colin Powell, who died yesterday, fully vaccinated? Uh, the family, now, the pro vaccine folk jumped in to say that, uh, you know, this is the just illustrates what happened to Colin Powell, just illustrates why the booster is so important. And then in the next paragraph, I read, well, the family didn't say whether he had the booster or not, uh, but he was fully vaccinated and uh, he died of COVID complications, according to what they're declaring. So it doesn't make sense. It's absolutely, if you just stop and think about it, none of this makes sense. And so uh, Liberty Council is bringing lawsuit just so, you know, so that you know. All right, I know you listen to the show, but I know you listen to other hosts too at other radio stations, and you've gotten your information through the years, uh, a lot of it through Cumulus Media. Cumulus was the host network for uh, Rush Limbaugh. And so when he died... Uh, Dan Bongino was awarded a Dan uh, Russia's spot. Cumulus also uh, has um, Michael Savage, Mark Levine, Mike Huckabee, Geraldo Rivera, and others. Uh, so that's some of their big names. Well, yesterday, they made it known that they're going to require their hosts and everyone in the company to be vaccinated. Well, Dan Bongino, who many of you know, Dan, ironically, an ex-policeman, uh, ex-Secret Service, uh, just a real man of courage. I know Dan personally. Before he was ever famous, I I got to know him really well. Uh, Dan is a principled man, and uh, he is resisting. And this is what he said yesterday on the radio clip three.
8: Imagine the countless number of individuals trying to explain to these companies ever thought of that. The countless numbers of moms and dads who are sitting at some kitchen table explaining to their kids how they may have to move out. How daddy doesn't have a job because a bunch of people in a C-suite thought it'd be a good idea to sit around and play pretend doctor Fauci for a moment and mandate people jam something in their bodies that they don't want to take.
5: Yeah, so you
8: ever put yourself first. in that in that role? You ever put yourself at that kitchen table with mom and dad telling their kids that? Yeah. Imagine did, how the uh, kids respond. That fear they got to live with.
1: Yeah, Adam, hold the break.
8: You know, I grew up without a lot of money. My mom used to make bologna sandwiches for dinner. And when the bologna Adam, was no good, you'd cook it and you'd make it good right quick, right? Adam I'm not leaving any these. of those guys behind.
1: Adam, hold the break. You can have me for a minute,
8: or you can have the mandate. But you can't have both of us.
1: All right. So that was Dan yesterday on, uh, on Cumulus. And uh, see, here's the thing with Dan. He just came through cancer, as you know. And my understanding is that his doctors, when he was going through cancer treatment, um, uh, told him he needed to be vaccinated, and I think that he was. That's my understanding. So, it's not about him personally. It's about them forcing people. Dan's a smart guy. By now, he's done a lot of research. You know, I was a little bit ambivalent about the vaccination, as you know. I'm not so ambivalent anymore. Uh, and so Dan is now telling them, um, this is uh, this is uh, this is about personal freedom, and he's he's going to fight for the people of Cumulus. And he said they have to decide if they want me or if they want uh, we bring in them them uh, bring bring them a lot of money, and they have to stop and consider uh, what they're doing. They can't do this to us. By the way, if you'd like to call Cumulus and advocate on the behalf of, I would just say make it about Dan Bongino. Tell him we stand with Dan. No vaccine mandates. The number is four zero four. Nine four nine zero seven hundred. That's 404-949-0700. And uh, you're calling Cumulus Radio. That's the host uh, station or host network for Dan Bongino. And he's saying, I- I'm leaving. If you do not, uh, if you make people get vaccinated, I'm leaving. And so we stand with Dan. I think that would be the best answer. No vaccination mandate. Be right back.
0: The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life.
6: I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if
2: they had not been there to support me, from giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower. And they went out and they got churches to cover my bills.
6: They helped me through so much. It was just incredible.
0: Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Thomas J. Walters, Director of the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers. Mr. Walters helps move forward the department's mission of working to train those who protect our homeland. Hebrews 13, 6 reminds us of God's protection. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Thomas J. Walters as he works to protect our people and our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to paustopray.org.
9: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next.
0: This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu.
9: Colin Powell was a great American patriot and warrior, a trailblazer, becoming the first black secretary of state during the Bush administration. He was also the first black national security advisor appointed by President Reagan and chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President George H.W. Bush. Powell's family says he died of complications from the China virus, even though General Powell was fully vaccinated. Fox News journalist John Roberts wondered on Twitter if Americans should be concerned about the long-term effectiveness of the vaccines. It was a valid question, but Roberts quickly deleted the tweet after he was set upon by a pro-vaccine mob. For whatever reason, the government and the media don't want anyone raising issues about the virus. But one question does need to be addressed. When a vaccinated person dies of complications from COVID, is it possible the complication was, in fact, the vaccine? I'm Todd Starnes.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, among the bizarre statements that the former president Donald Trump has released this week was this one: when he said, "This if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, his his bizarre characterization, which we have he claims, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 22 and 24." Uh, many. There's some Senate Republicans that I've talked to who believe President Trump's uh, actions in Georgia encourage people not to vote. Are you concerned that this is only going to hurt Republican turnout in the midterms? Relitigating 2020 is a recipe for disaster in 2022. Let's talk about the future. The election is passed, it's been certified, the states uh, made decisions on the integrity of each of their elections and made improvements where need be. It's about the future, it's not about the last election, and that uh, those kind of comments are not constructive. We can win in 2022 and we're going to, but let's focus on, on the important issues of our supply chain, of getting over this pandemic, about uh, freedom and not, uh, not the last election.
1: That was the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. I don't know what's happened to Asa Hutchinson because he's just become foolish. Uh, Let's just think about what he just said. We don't need to litigate, you know, the election of 2020. That would be silly. It's not helpful. Uh, But we're learning now that, let's see, Mark Zuckerberg spent $419 million uh, to affect the last election by generating Democratic votes in uh, areas where President Trump Uh, was strong. So then we also know that the Senate is now mounting this new uh, push. It's a brand new push, a new one you haven't heard about, to pass a voting rights bill to sort of implement so much of the chicanery that happened, like dead people voting in the last election, mail-in balloting and all of that. We know that there were tremendous problems with the last election, and yet Republican leaders like Asa Hutchinson don't want to talk about it. Fox bans any discussion of it. And now there's more evidence that's coming out from Media Research Center. They've just done a research, uh, sort of a exploration of social media's involvement in the last election. And Dan Gaynor, who's the vice president of Free Speech America and business uh, at Media Research Center, joins us this morning. Good morning, Dan.
10: Good morning. Yes, there's there. You know, I I I might agree that we need to focus on 2022 because because right now you're looking at how big tech is already influencing 2022 and, you know, influencing in ways that, uh, you know, FEC, Federal Election Commission, has basically decided they can get away with. So we did a study that said, uh, you know, looked at all the ways in which uh, congressional uh, you know, members have been censored in the last two political, you know, the last two terms of Congress. And it's 54 to 1. 54 to one Republicans against Democrats uh, for censorship, and the one Democrat who was censored was censored for about two hours before the former former professional Democrat uh, spokesperson that they have at Facebook went on Twitter to apologize profusely, and of course the the account was immediately re- restored, and that's the that's the way it works. We did a a Zoom call last week with. Uh, Senator Johnson and Congressman Stubbe, uh you know, to talk about this issue. Uh, you know, people don't understand how much this can influence elections.
1: Well, you know, uh, Dan, I think one thing that w- they will understand, I think, uh, it, it, a lot of what's happening with the censorship, and we, can, I'd like for us to get into that, is uh, right now COVID-related, uh, when you have a uh, congressman and senators writing anything about COVID that does not, you know, embrace the Fauci party line or the draconian, uh, I don't even know what to call them anymore. Uh, the leaders of our, you know, thought on medical, uh, uh, on medical application of this vaccination. If, if it doesn't comport with what they're saying, they're censored. And uh, it, and it's causing what it's causing is ignorance in the population. And what it's causing is ultimately death and it just is f- infuriating to me but they're also what? using that kind of censorship to affect the election let's let's talk about what they who they've censored and and what they how they're what doing you're,
10: that you're, Well, you was going to say right the number one way in which the social media right now censor people and i mean that this is that it's not a statistical analysis it's just from what from what we see is absolutely covid-19 related and part of it is uh, censorship is driven by governments, and you've got governments around the world that have instituted anti-free speech policies, so much so that even Amnesty International came out and said basically a lot of these policies are probably going to stay in place uh, you know, long after COVID is gone. Uh, you know, and some of them are nations we would ordinarily consider free. We've all seen endless videos of Australia, oh, Canada, yes. and and others. But then there's even the United States. We've got, you know, the social media companies have embraced the idea that organizations such as the CDC, the World Health Organization, do no wrong. So, you know, even, even journalists, Alex uh, Berenson, who formerly worked at the New York Times, he gets suspended from Twitter because he raised questions about the vaccine. Uh, the New York Times itself, however, doesn't get suspended. New York times did a story at the end of last year, I mean, literally, I think it was on New Year's Eve, uh, about the World Health Organization showing that uh, this idea of open borders during a pandemic, and that's, that's one of the, its doctrinaire at, at, at the World Health Organization. They said it's actually not founded in science or founded in medicine. It's simply, you know, it, they didn't use the words leftist agenda, but that's exactly what it is. And so they pointed this out. Now, so they can raise questions, but if you and I raise questions about this or if you post videos showing you know, the, the hypocrisy or the lies of you know, Fauci or others, you can get suspended. And it's so bad that uh, you know, Dr. Zevzelenko, who I interviewed, uh, one of the people who's brought up alternate treatments, yes. he, had, you know, he shared documents with world leaders, including President Donald Trump when he was president. He used Google Docs. Google Docs shut down his ability to share documents. That's how extreme they've gotten. So if you're using the Google Google software, you know, online this freeware to to type, uh, they wouldn't let him share it out to other people. I'm sorry, but that's that's so insane. And it's here's the best part: it's anti-science because the whole concept of the scientific method is got to be allowed to criticize the science. If you're not allowed, it stops being science. It becomes that other thing both you and I are fond of, religion.
1: You know, Dan, uh, this is the thing, too. You you and I live, we live in a different world where we are taking in information all the time. We have contacts where we get information in other ways, and so, and I talk about, at least on the issue of COVID, I talk about it every day. I just can't help it because I, even in my personal life, I, I see people suffering and not getting treatment. I see people dying because they don't know what you and I know. And, and I just have been having conversations lately outside of, my, outside of my, uh, my usual conversations with people that I deal with, and the, the lack of understanding of COVID by just regular people is still astounding. And so much of that can be laid at the feet that they cannot get. They cannot get honest information about the vaccine or about the side effects or about the the effective treatments. They cannot get that on social media. And they've become, I think, so dependent on Facebook for their information. And they're just not getting it. So they're just really, truly ignorant of what the truth is about this. And that's what's frightening to me.
10: Well, I mean, it's pretty, you know, I, I'm a pro-free speech guy. And so no matter where you stand on the vaccine, and I know lots of people who've gotten the vaccine and lots of people haven't, no matter where you stand on it, uh, you know, you, you've you got to believe in, in stolen freedom. Uh, yesterday, you know, it came out, Dan Bongino uh, made, made news yesterday because the uh, radio station, you know, conglomerate, that he Cumulus has his show. Yes. Uh, they have a vaccine mandate. Now, Dan Bongino, because he's had some medical issues, he said, look, I got the vaccine. But he said, I I will call out Cumulus for for this because he said, who speaks for ordinary people who are going to lose their jobs? You know, I work for an organization that has no vaccine mandate. Uh, we're thankfully small enough that we're not being bullied by the federal government. And uh, you know, and I, my my boss was very public on Twitter yesterday. So I can say this, it was like like you know, look, he's gotten the vaccine for his own reasons, for his own health, uh, and you know that's a choice everybody should be able to make. But he's not making it for me or anybody else. And so that's that's the sane approach. Everybody gets to choose their own health care. Nobody knows what your medical situation is. Nobody, you know, and so. That should be what the media are pushing. Instead, the, the the biggest censors in 2021 aren't the people you expect, aren't, you know, authoritarian politicians. The biggest censors are the media. The biggest proponents of censorship online are news outlets like CNN and then NBC and some of these other broadcast networks, and The Washington Post, New York Times. These outlets think that anybody they disagree with, whether it's on the vaccine or politics or whatever, should be driven from the public square, should be driven away so that they can't comment. Uh, These are the outlets that help that, you know, bully big tech into censoring the president of the United States. These are the outlets that want, you know, the left to be able to censor more and more people, you know, who are running for running for political office so that they can determine who wins.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's the point that maybe I didn't make adequately. And that is that what we want is a free flow of information. Let me hear, for instance, on COVID. Let's hear Dr. Fauci. Let's hear all the wonderful things about the uh, vaccine. And then let's hear uh, Dr. Zelenko. Uh, talk about what he sees, because it's something very different. Let's talk about Rand Paul, who's been removed, what, from all of them. He's been censored. Uh, Senator Johnson, who's been my guest so often, uh, has been deleted by YouTube, uh, and he's been presenting some of the nation's leading experts on this, and yet he's being censored. But uh, but also, um, Dan, it's not just that they're being removed from the platform. They're also—their uh, ability, in some cases— To share and and especially on on Twitter, it's just blocked. They have other ways of stopping the information from getting out. You want to say something about that?
10: Oh yeah, well there's there's a whole variety. When we say censored, we actually mean any any of the ways in which they restrict content. So, for instance, you get a fact check and and the fact check appears over your post. And what they what they do, it looks like a pop up ad, but you got to click it to make it go away. They have this cool name for it. They call it an interstitial. In other words, it just interferes. Uh, according to their own statistics, when they drop one of those on top of your content, 95% of the people don't click through. So, I mean, you know, that's just one of the ways. They'll suspend you. They'll you know, uh, totally, totally remove your account. They'll, they'll force the removal of certain information. And, I mean, on down the line, there's a whole litany of things. And, you know, this is, this is tools... That the worst censors in human history, and I think that you know, arguably that would probably be the communists. You know, I, I mean, Stalin became famous for uh, doing things as far as censorship. That only recently did we really get great tools for removing people from photos and silencing your opposition in ways that you know they, he would have never dreamed of. This is this isn't 1984. 1984 did not have the advanced technology we have. You know. This is 2021, and George Orwell would be shaken in his boots.
1: Yeah, and, and oh, he'd so, be happy. So,
10: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, so so you've got these kind of tools, and they're not. It's not just for you know for COVID, and it's not just for the election. It's for anything the major media and the left consider. Oh, well, you're wrong on that issue. So, I mean, in regards to COVID, we, they went a year where they were saying, oh, well, if you said that the, the virus originated probably in Wuhan, in this Wuhan lab, oh, well, you were censored and suspended for that. And then, oh, they finally kind of admitted, yeah, it certainly looks that way, and especially since the Chinese destroyed a lot of the evidence. Yeah, it really does look that way. And then they end up with John Stewart, of all people, going on Stephen Colbert's show with an epic rant uh, where he basically said, "Of course, you know it. You know it came from there." He said, "They've got they've got a lab there that that's the name of the lab," <laughs> and and you know, but you could get suspended for that. John Stewart would have been banned from social media uh, if he had said that a year before. That's the that's how bad this is. You're not allowed to discuss anything that they don't like.
1: Yeah, and the net effect is that people truly, I'm seeing that people truly are ignorant, Dan. It's very, very concerning, and I think that's that's why I think the numbers of my show are growing so much, is because people just can't get information that they need to make good decisions. But I want to ask you something practical. You and I both know that uh, President Trump was removed from all social media platforms, and he was removed, as I recall, before the 2020 election. So he no, was, he was no. He
8: was
10: removed after January sixth. He got suspended okay. a oh, lot. Right. He, got okay. to, he, he um, when our final tally for the president before uh, I mean, right as right as he was shut down was six hundred and twenty-five times he and his campaign had been uh, censored on social media. Our oh. tally for the Biden administration for, for Biden's team was zero.
1: Wow, isn't that now? See, that just speaks volumes. But here's my. Here's my practical question: I I still don't fully understand why no other outlet or social media outlet, whether it's uh, Parler or whatever, President Trump said he was going to develop one. Mike Lindell has tried to do it, Uh, and then there are other other you know these video platforms. Why is it so difficult uh, to establish and produce an alternate platform? Uh, that would uh, provide a way for uh, people who want to speak the truth to, to share? Is it, is, it a, is it just there's not an appetite for it because the market is so uh, taken by these big giants, or is it because it's technically so hard to do? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of things. One,
10: uh, you know, people, people, social media has been around for 13 years. Uh, you know, for big time, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all. I mean, you go back a little further for MySpace, but it's really insinuated itself for like the last 13 or so years. So it's so it's it's a teenager. It's still relatively new, and you can see from the the rise of the of the social media outlet TikTok that it is possible to launch new things and gain popularity, but you need lots of resources, and this is where I would fall. Uh, some of the conservative rich people that are not, you know, just pl- plowing money into this. But you can't have it as, you know, an isolated, just conservative. Uh, you know, the, the the rise of rumble uh, indicates that it is possible to, to sort of break through. But you have to break through by getting big name people. It can't be just conservatives talking to one another. Uh, Parler was going, you know, doing well. And then it got shut down, it got shut down by Amazon and Google and Apple because it was doing too well as pro free speech and so that that is the problem there's a lot of weak links in the chain uh, you know gab has has tried to create a system that is less dependent on the big names I and mean, apple Apple and Google control the app stores I mean they're, they're talking about a monopoly or a duopoly they they basically control so if you're if you create a system that is dependent on apps and they decide to shut you down, they can't. So, so, I mean, there's a lot of links in the chain. And you look what happened with Parler. When Parler got shut down uh, you know, by Amazon and all, they, it wasn't just the tech stuff. They had problems with their banks and their lawyers and the pressure that is brought to bear. Uh, so if you're a conservative, want to launch one of these platforms, you need literally every link along the way it you know, won't fail you. You need a bank, uh, you know, a payment processor, so something to compete with PayPal. You need uh, lawyers and you know suppliers and everything else. You know that can't that can't be taken away from you. That's a lot, and uh, you know, and then to find the support for that is really requires deep pockets.
1: The parlor uh, relaunch, ha- okay, on them specifically. Hey, but have they been able to overcome those obstacles? Well, the, the problem, you
10: know, they got kneecapped just as they were doing well, and so since then, Getter has been launched, but you know, and you know, Rumble is doing better, and so it's been it's hard it's been hard for them to regain the position they they were in. It just is. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. this is a, a fast moving.
1: A news cycle yeah oh well it's complicated but Dan I always always appreciate your insights and Media Research Center has been just a champion uh, Brent and I go back a very long way and so do you and I uh, Dan uh, you guys have been fighting 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 the good fight for such a long time and I am so grateful. Uh, that you are on the front lines of doing something so relevant uh, and bringing all this great information to us. Sometimes I don't even give you guys enough credit for the news stories you break and the the things that you discover. So thank you for all that you do. And, again, it's Media Research Center, and uh, uh, Dan's work is very valuable, and I recommend you go to their site and glean the best from it. Dan, thanks a lot for joining us.
0: Now more than ever, Christians are looking for a news source they can depend on to give them news coverage from a conservative biblical perspective. We strive to do that at American Family News. We're looking for a Christian journalist who feels led by the Lord to help us accomplish this mission. If you have training and preferably experience in the broadcast journalism field, we would love to talk with you. For further information, contact News Director Fred Jackson at 662-821-2033. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable.
9: Major social media
0: outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is coming in November. Learn more at
7: AFA.net. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in a day when churches are filled with people ready to hear and receive God's mercy. Unfortunately, however, it is often accompanied by a de-emphasis or concealment of the truth of God's Word. Paul, the salvation by grace through faith apostle, was asked, If salvation is solely a product of grace, what benefit then does the law provide? Paul responded, without the law, I wouldn't have known God's righteous standard and how far away from it I was. Any presentation of God's mercy, absent God's truth, is no gospel at all.
0: Iniquity is purged by mercy and truth. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III.
6: a teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS. His mother was an extremist and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ. They prayed nonstop for his salvation and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him, several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you because they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's Word to endure and persevere and I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. Bible League invites you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the world. In our campaign The World Needs the Word and only $5 a Bible, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD or give it SendBiblesNow.org SendBiblesNow.org org This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure
0: Freedom Minute. Missiles, missiles everywhere. Incredibly, the recent frightening revelation that communist China surprised U.S. intelligence by launching a hypersonic missile designed for sneak nuclear attacks and defeating our missile defenses is now yesterday's news. Today's news is that the PRC's puppet, North Korea, has surprisingly launched from underwater a short-range ballistic missile in the direction of Japan, a significant technical achievement for that otherwise backward country and boost for its principal export product, ominous arms sales. As we are sure to hear in the days ahead about Russian, Iranian, Hezbollah, Pakistani, and other missile threats, the question occurs, are we doing absolutely everything possible to have effective anti-missile defenses? The answer is no. We can and must quickly deploy sensors and weapons in space, utilizing unconventional guidance technologies to meet the present and growing danger. It's time for a Manhattan Project 2.0. This is Frank Affney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio.
3: As parents, Dorothy and I have always been involved in our kids' education. We know good schools depend on involved parents. That's why I want you to hear this from me. Glenn Youngton's taking my words out of context. I've always valued the concerns of parents. It's why as governor, we scaled back standardized testing, expanded pre-K, and invested a billion dollars in public schools. I'm Terry McCall, candidate for governor, and I sponsored this ad because working together, we can give our kids the education they deserve.
1: All right, so Virginia has a governor's race uh, November the 2nd, and uh, there's a really... Uh, This is really uh, an incredible battle because Virginia went uh, purple, shall we say, and I really think blue, fully blue, in the last election. Uh, The legislature, man, they had some of the greatest champions in that, like um, uh, Bob Marshall, who's been on our show a couple of times. Bob's, I have such great respect for him. And so, um, but they lost, and they lost to radicals. Northern Virginia has just really overpowered, I think, the southern part of the state. But there are still such good people there fighting. And I think this, uh, under Terry McAuliffe, who was a Clinton fundraiser, uh, the state began to slide and go in such a horrible direction. And, and so um, Glenn Youngkin is the Republican contender. And so there's a big battle now over critical race theory in Loudoun County and other counties in Virginia. And the people are finally kind of shaking loose. And waking up from the, whatever it was they were asleep with because parents are very upset. So, Glenn Youngkin has been running on this whole issue of what's happening in public schools with school boards forcing things on children and parents. Uh, McAuliffe, you heard his ad just now. Glenn Youngkin uh, has created this ad. Let's listen.
3: Glenn Youngkin's taking my words out of context
1: something you mentioned in Tuesday's debate is um you said you don't believe parents should be telling schools what to teach what did you mean by that
5: well
3: first of all parents should be telling schools that they want their teachers to be vaccinated.
2: Do you think
6: parents should have a say in the curriculum?
3: You don't want parents coming in in every different school jurisdiction.
6: You alluded to parents staying out of this. Uh, We just want to make sure that we're understanding you correctly. Uh, What is your stance on that as far as what school agendas have to say for the kids?
3: First of all, this is determined by the State Board of Education and local school boards. And that's where it should be.
2: Do you still stand by your position that parents should not tell the schools what they should teach?
3: You do not want 25 parents picking books. Recall us, reply. We have a Board of Ed and we have local school boards who make the decisions about teaching. I'm not going to let parents come into schools. Them? I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach.
1: All right. So that was uh, Glenn Youngkin's ad. He's the Republican candidate. Terry McAuliffe is the former governor, Democratic governor, and he's running to be reelected. He's missed, you know, he was out for six years, I think, and then now he wants to run again. So uh, that's what's happening November 2nd. And I think the battle lines are drawn and they're pretty clear. And so we'll see what happens there. And of course, the elections I'm very concerned about them. I uh, unlike Asa Hutchinson, who says we should not look back to, we should stop thinking about the election of 2020. It's just, you know, that's just old news, and we need to move ahead. I'm sorry. There was so much corruption in that election that legislatures should be dealing with this. And many of them have tried to do that, but a lot of them have been thwarted. And so we are not on safe ground. Virginia was uh, not exempt from some of that chicanery. In fact, I want to play another Yunkin ad because this, uh, this ad features Terry McAuliffe talking about his perspective of voting machines in Virginia. Let's listen to clip 17. Do you
3: think this next election is going to be on the up and up? Oh, I'm very concerned. I mean, I can tell you, in Virginia, while I was governor, I had to replace all the machines. As governor, I got rid of all of our DRE. I remember when I first voted, when I went to Richmond and moved down as governor. I remember I went and voted in '14. I just moved to Richmond. I just got elected governor. I remember I kept voting in the Senate race, kept voting for the Democrat. Republican name kept coming up. I hit the machine for Warner. Gillespie's name lit up. Three times that happened. I did it four times. So then I had an investigation done. So I took the machines and I hired hackers. Listen to this. Listen to this. They were able to hack into our machines from off-site. Off-site. In about five or six minutes. It took them six minutes to hack into our OptiScan machines. Mm-hmm. And yeah. within four minutes, they were able to change a vote. Took another two minutes to change a vote. I D-certified
1: all the machines. I was very disturbed by that. It happened to me again the next year. You know, I, I have to say, I, this this is news to me that uh, Terry McAuliffe decertified all the machines. Uh, I'll be, I'll be, I mean, maybe you did, and I was sleeping during that time. I don't remember that. But what I can tell you, from my perspective, Terry McAuliffe was describing what the machines do accurately, except not the way he was describing it. I don't think these machines were programmed to help Republicans, and I don't think that's been the case around the country. And there was a testimony before Congress from J. Alex Halderman. He's a computer expert. And this is what he said about what he found in regard to voting machine integrity. This was testimony before Congress, which probably has been censored on your Facebook or your YouTube or your Twitter. You probably never heard this. So let's listen now. Clip 18.
4: Chairman Burr, Vice Chairman Warner, and members of the committee – Thank you for inviting me to speak with you today about the security of U.S. elections. I'm a professor of computer science and have spent the last 10 years studying the electronic voting systems that our nation relies on. My conclusion from that work is that our highly computerized election infrastructure is vulnerable to sabotage and even to cyber attacks that could change votes. These realities risk making our election results more difficult for the American people to trust. I know America's voting machines are vulnerable because my colleagues and I have hacked them repeatedly as part of a decade of research, studying the technology that operates elections and learning how to make it stronger. We've created attacks that can spread from machine to machine like a computer virus and silently change election outcomes. We've studied touchscreen and optical scan systems And in every single case, we've found ways for attackers to sabotage machines and to steal votes. These capabilities are certainly within reach for America's enemies. As you know, states choose their own voting technology. And while some states are doing well with security, others are alarmingly vulnerable. This puts the entire nation at risk. In close elections, an attacker can probe the most important swing states or swing counties find areas with the weakest protection, and strike there. In a close election year, changing a few votes in key uh, localities could be enough to tip national results. The key lesson from 2016 is that these threats are real.
1: All right, so that was just part of his testimony, and that testimony took place in uh, August of 2017. Actually, let me go back and make sure I get the date correct. Uh, June of 2017. Okay, he testified before the United States Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Wonder what they did about that. Oh, let me think. I think nothing. And so uh, he was telling us uh, what was going to happen. And so for us to think, to agree with Asa Hutchinson, that we should not go back and look at 2020 and hap- see what happened about the voting machines or about you know, mail-in balloting, about... The uh, dead people voting about you fill in the blank about all this chicanery that took place and to say we just need to move forward to this next election is the height of foolishness. And yet what he is saying reflects what Senator McConnell would say, what the, the, the leaders of the even Kevin McCarthy. What have they done aggressively to change anything of uh, the leadership of the Republican Party? Nothing. They won't even talk about this. They're ashamed of it. They want to distance themselves from President Trump's discussions of it. It is so foolish. I mean, it is, it is just, I can't even, even though I understand it, I don't understand it. I don't understand the uh, the hatred for President Trump, the distancing from him, especially by, I'm not saying by McCarthy. I think McCarthy was conflicted on that, but I think that McConnell- definitely undermine President Trump, and uh, he should be willing, uh, because you'd think he might want to win, should be willing to face this, although rumors are swirling in D.C. that McConnell is thinking about stepping down, as uh, rumors are swirling that Nancy Pelosi is thinking about stepping down. So I can't corroborate those things. I'm just telling you the rumors I'm hearing. Oh, wow. What a a world we live in. But uh, thanks for listening this morning. I really do appreciate it. I hope it was a learning experience for you. And as always, you know, when you listen, be sure and bring pencil and paper so that you can write things down because you're not going to hear this on social media. I don't even I have no confidence that when we post things on Facebook, you're ever going to see them. And so we have to kind of go back to the uh, dark ages, I guess, and use pencil and paper. And some of you who are younger have to learn how to write. Oh, dear. All right, see Andy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
8: The
0: views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.